Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. Uh, it is 10.02 a.m. And um, I've just been chilling. Not really, but sort of. <laughs> so yesterday I spent some time with my significant other. Probably going to do so today as well. Going to go to some food trucks. Because um, she's going to be gone. She's going to be gone over the weekend. Uh, until... A little rider retreat so very excited for her um she's been uh that she hasn't felt the i don't know motivation i guess to 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 write very much recently so or not really recently but over the pandemic um which is definitely understandable <laughs> all that stress and just stuff that's been going on but, you know, she's getting back to it, and I'm very excited for her, because though she writes things that I don't necessarily read personally, I really enjoy her writing style, and um, the types of uh, things she cares about, and all that, so very excited to see her getting back to it, um, so yeah, very excited for that, but because we won't spend the weekend together, we've been spending the last few days together, and um it's always it's always cool because I find myself um, even though I'm always kind of driven by this need for productivity and to just push things out and try to do more work and things like that. Um, she kind of offers that counterbalance of being able to you know slow down and appreciate the uh, life, <laughs> life beyond just work and um, big ideas and ambitions and stuff like that. Like she definitely appreciates you know my dreams, but. She allows me to, uh, I don't know, like, you know, appreciate the small things too. The small wins that I have, because I find it extremely difficult to, you know, care about any sort of small wins. Um, I just see it as, like, not enough, or, <laughs> you know. Um, so that, that counterbalance is really helpful. You know, it's really amazing. I'm always incredibly grateful for that. And I always find myself so very fortunate. So I found someone that I uh, that I really love, you know, from an early age. We've been together for what six years now, since I was 21, turning 27 this year. I'm, how, wait, am I turning? Yeah, yeah, I'm turning 27 this year. So <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um. Anyways, so yesterday we watched. Uh, we watched. What's it called? Um. It was on Hulu. The story of WeWork. What was the byline? It was called The Story of WeWork. The subheader was um, Unicorn or Making and Breaking, the Making and Breaking of a $47 billion unicorn or something like that. Um, so I knew a little bit about the WeWork story or a fair amount about the WeWork story because, you know, it's, it's a startup and I've always been interested in startups for quite a, quite a while. Um, I actually went to work there at one point um, because I visited a couple of their sites and it, they were, I ain't gonna lie, it was really cool. <laughs> it was really interesting looking. Um, like when I was working at the startup for the HR technology company, um, my boss, he lived in New York. He flew me up there and um, took me to see, you know, their rework facility up there. We, you know, talked to a lot of people and it was just cool to be in an environment like full of a whole bunch of really motivated other people you know working on their own startups their own companies their own ideas and it was just amazing right to be that environment 
and they have they have pretty good interior designs. So it's just really nice to be in in a in a environment that I've never been into. Like like the the, the only places I've been to were you know home <laughs> or you know uh, a staunch like a kind of lame <laughs> or I don't want to say lame but you know a boring corporate environment. Right, like my first jobs was at a Fortune 500 company, that was not that was not a tech company. You know, it was Mannheim, which is now part of Cox Automotive, um, one of the Cox Enterprise you know companies, and um, that was a fairly old company. Um, had like a little cubicle. Oh no, no, that one I had a I had a table. That one was actually decent because I had a table right up against the windows. Like technically, I I, I guess it should should have been wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was basically a desk, but it was more like a table. <laughs> but I loved it because it was against the windows, and I got to see a, a, a really nice view um, every day. So I actually wasn't I, that actually wasn't that bad. But the rest of the facility wasn't, you know, super great. It wasn't like super well designed or anything like that. And then the second one I worked at was um, what was it called? Um. I forget the freaking name. They're a pest, pest company. Part of uh, the Orkin brand and all that other stuff. Yeah, and yes, that was a... I'm not sure if it still is, but it definitely was a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> um, which is crazy. But yeah, what was it? Rollins. There we go, Rollins. So I worked there, and it was um, definitely... That was a cubicle. That one, that was my worst experience ever. <laughs> I, I was like depressed literally depressed going to work every single day um and i i literally considered like jumping off the because i had to cross a bridge every time i went to work and i literally considered just jumping off or like you know stepping into traffic and all this other stuff it was a lot of other stuff going on in my life that it wasn't all work but that definitely played a part into it um that's another reason why i really don't want to go back to any sort of you know corporate 500 companies like that um because it wasn't again it wasn't just that one uh, at Mannheim even then like I was bored to hell <laughs> I had in both places I had great co-workers you know that wasn't a problem I had great co-workers I really uh, appreciated you know all my co-workers at both of those companies especially uh shout out to KJ my boss at Mannheim he was incredible you know uh, very inspirational to me very helpful always supportive and things like that um he was great but <laughs> I just, I just, I like fell asleep at meetings, man. Like I always bring that up because it's, it's true. Like I was literally in meetings and I would find, I would wake myself up because I would hear myself begin to snore. I'm not sure if anybody else realized this. And I, I don't think they did. Cause I, <laughs> I talked to KJ at one point. I don't think he ever noticed that. Cause I usually <laughs> went to meetings with him. Uh, and furthermore, uh, this is something my siblings pointed out, which I still don't 100% believe, but apparently I, 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 sleep with my eyes open or at least halfway open so it doesn't seem like I'm sleeping half the time <laughs> oh gosh so yeah it was uh that was a thing so yeah anyways when I visit these WeWork facilities that was just the complete opposite to me you know full of people who were working on cool things you know full of really cool projects and 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 ideas really good views really good design everything like and i'm not gonna lie that that really spoke to me 
at the time. So, yeah, I wanted to work there. I thought it was cool. And I knew they were trying to figure out some some, uh, some good technologies and things like that. They were working on uh, a um, social media type of thing and all this other stuff. And I was like, huh, maybe I can help, uh, you know, create some of this stuff. Maybe they need some uh, operations folks or some, you know, um, developers turned managers. Because at the time I was in design. I was more so doing um, management and stuff like that. But yeah, it was interesting. And then um, when I started looking more into it, that was around the same time that you started hearing a lot of stuff about it. Um, 2016, 2017, you started hearing, you know, a little bit here and there. I was like, huh, this is kind of weird because they kept calling themselves a tech company. I was like, okay, what's, what's their technology, you know? <laughs> How are they growing so fast? Like, what, what's their technology? And I, I forgot where I found it, but either one of the podcasts I was listening to or something, they were pointing out how WeWork didn't really have much technology. It really was a real estate company, even though they kept saying they were not a real estate company. Because their whole plan, their whole growth thing, depended on buying long-term leases or straight out sometimes buying buildings, but mostly buying long-term leases in derelict buildings or buildings that didn't have much, you know, you know, uh, output. And because they bought long-term leases, I'm talking like 10, 20-year leases, they would get huge discounts. They would get huge discounts on the cost of that real estate. And then they would, of course, break it up into really small pieces and <laughs> and um, um, sell it, sell it at a high cost. Like these these places were expensive, you know. It was like four to eight hundred dollars per month or something like that. Um, well, it depends on the city, and depends on where you are at and um, the size of your business. But they would it, it, it would be a good amount. Like it wasn't super affordable. People claim it was affordable for a business, and yes, compared to buying your own building as a startup, yes, it's definitely better than that, but it's still expensive, especially because at the time, I was going to a boot camp um, called uh, Tech Talent South, and that boot camp was in uh, the Strongbox West, which is here in Atlanta, it's a co-working space, and I saw the prices for that co-working space, and it was not, it was like a fraction of the price <laughs> as we work facilities so i knew that we work was was really you know pushing up that uh that price there and um that's what what began turning me away from from uh we work even before they they collapsed and everything like that and then of course they started you know you started hearing more about how they're in debt how they're not profitable um and all this other stuff and then the collapse and i was just like dang I wonder what's going to happen to all those buildings. Because <laughs> here in Atlanta, they bought out maybe two, three buildings. And huge buildings, too. I, I, I still haven't seen the one they built. And um, I think it was Bankhead. I think they built one there or something like that. And they they recently bought one downtown in Atlanta. Uh, which is really nice. Like I said, they, they have a really good interior design you know, thing <laughs> going on. But yeah it's just it's just really weird and worrying so in the in the um the hulu docu- documentary they're pointing out how 
it was just so weird because they have so many recordings of this dude. Uh, what's his name? Adam. Adam Newsom. No, no. I forgot his name. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm terrible with names, but um, the founder, the main founder, of course, his co-founders and his wife, who, who eventually became the third co-founder. Um, but nobody really talks about Miguel. <laughs> they, they, they did not talk about him almost at, at all in the um, in the documentation in the documentary. The documentary. The doc. How do you say that word? I don't know. I read more than I talk, even though I talk a lot in these podcasts. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, they talked a lot about the founder, um, about the Adam one, and uh, it was just so weird because. <laughs> This is going to speak to, you know, our, our, our difference in culture here. But my my partner and I, we were looking at this and we were like, this dude is weird. Like, how did nobody see how weird this dude is, you know? And this goes right back into what we, our discussion, you know, last week we were talking about, or two weeks ago, we were talking about um, psychopaths and sociopaths and, and how, especially in, in America, and I have to say, even though I don't like using race, but it's a good descriptor here in, in white America, how serial killers and psychopaths and you know and people like that are so easily, you know, put in, into positions of power, right? Because people look at these people like, oh, he's tall and handsome, and he can talk, he can speak well, he's very, you know, <laughs> he's very charming, right? He has a presence about him, he's very commanding. People give them all these these words and these um kind of uh ideas about their competence or their you know trustworthiness and stuff like that right but while meanwhile a person like myself or you know my partner or in the doc <laughs> and they even had it in the document in the documentary because i'm part, uh, one dude mentioned how and their you know their entire executive team they had pr- pretty much no people of color no women and it showed, right? So they had these big parties. They had these huge events called, um, uh, what was it the the summer camp or something like that? These huge, crazy events. And the the one of the, one of the dudes who were speaking in the in the documentary who they were interviewing, um, he mentioned how. Uh, oh, one second. All right, but he mentioned how they they there was an usher was a black guy <laughs> and he was like as apparently he was asking this dude all sorts of questions he was like oh what do you do you know what's your work here what what's, what does this company do you know asking about the organization or you know the big event because it's a huge event going on he was like what's going on here so this usher so the dude who he was talking to who was being interviewed in a um in the documentary um he was answering these questions and then he mentioned the usher asked him he was like so is this a cult? <laughs> and I'm just like, that sounds like something, you know, we would ask. Like, <laughs> it's just, to me, I don't know. I'm not sure. To me, it seems like this is the difference in culture, right? Now, don't get me wrong. You have plenty of these of this problem in any culture, right? Of people who seem more competent or or trustworthy than they really are and things like that. Of course you see that in any culture. But I think in certain cultures that don't depend so much on individualism, and it doesn't have to be the black culture, it could be, 
you know, not even the, the black culture. <laughs> it's not really exactly how it works, but for people who are from different backgrounds, right, from different cultures that are more communal or, you know, tend to believe more in a collectivist, you know, ideal, at least intuitively rather than, you know, um, formally. There tends to be a natural questioning. Well, not necessarily questioning. It, it It's just a natural kind of, I don't know, understanding or speculation, you know, on authority. How do, how do I say this? I guess what I'm trying to say here is that for certain cultures that have experienced, you know, a lot of oppression by other people. You tend to become very what's the word? Goodness. Skeptical. Goodness. I, I don't know how I, I was messing up my words. But you you tend to become very skeptical of people who are saying they're gonna give you the world. Right? Who are saying they're gonna do all this amazing stuff for you. And maybe that's just a, 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 a natural result of, you know, living in a, a life, living a life in which you are constantly, you know, abused or, you know, your, your trust is kind of taken advantage of or, you know, you kind of are around a lot of people who are abusive or things like that and you, you naturally kind of, you know, get that instinct. But it seems like, especially in American culture, um, and these higher echelons of business and things like that is very prone to people being, you know, kind of exposed or, or manipulated by abusive people. And yes, the founder of WeWork, Adam, one of the founders of WeWork, Adam, was abusive. And they talked about that in the document in the documentary how he would you know kind of manipulate people and say oh you're great you, you can you know you're pretty good at doing this this that and the other but then like he was speaking to one of his uh, um, female assistants um, the women on his team and <laughs> and she did all sorts of amazing work it's like oh yeah you're doing good with this that and the other but then this really preppy you know younger younger woman um, walks walks along. And he says, but you're not her. <laughs> I'm like, dang. And he was so much of what they were showing here showed how narcissistic he was. And a number of other problems with this dude. And to me, it's just like, how did nobody spot this? You know? Like, how did these people really give this dude billions of dollars? billions of dollars to do all this stuff and I say this as a person who wants to change the world I don't see that as a ridiculous you know promise or ridiculous you know kind of dream I think there needs to be more people who want to change the world however if in doing so you consider yourself better than others if in doing so you consider yourself some second coming of Jesus Jesus Christ or something like that if you consider yourself 
you know, the the spokesperson for the world, if you consider yourself the the, the, the best leader out there and all this other stuff and, and don't really want to, you know, give give due respect to the team, right? To the all the amazing people who made that happen, then what are you really doing? What are you really doing but being a narcissistic asshole? Because <laughs> to me, there's a lot of good, you know, in what we in what we work was trying to do. There's a little, there's a lot of good in what they did do. There's a lot of incredibly talented people that worked for him, and, and he himself is cr- incredibly talented. But the problem, and this is the problem with individualism, especially in America, is when this persona of an individual is overly praised. Where this persona of, you know, some leader, some some great founder, some, you know, businessman or inventor or designer or engineer or salesman, right? When that persona is vaunted as the best, as the the, the harbinger of the future, as the the uh, you know the chosen one, if you will, that's the problem because it gets to your head, right? That narcissism kicks in, or maybe they were already narcissistic, right? It attracts that narcissism, and furthermore, it rewards it. It says yes. You know, you're confident, so I'm going to give you money. Like, I don't really know what you're doing, and I'm not even sure if I believe what you can, that you can accomplish this. But you sound like you do. You sound amazing. You sound confident, right? You look charming and all this other stuff. So I'm going to give you money. I'm going to give you, I'm going to work for you. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you an opportunity. And I'm not saying don't give these people opportunities. All I'm saying is we need to be more skeptical we don't need to praise these people just because they seem confident it's way way too much you hear that way too much in the business world or really anywhere in America confidence will see you through you just have to look confident right confidence make you more attractive and all this other stuff Mm -hmm. and yeah there's truth to that don't get me wrong but when you praise confidence in such a manner you you go right over confidence and into arrogance you worship arrogance over confidence instead of actually caring about whether or not this person is competent and can accomplish what they say they want to accomplish you just reward them just because they say they want to accomplish big things rather than whether or not they can actually do big things especially especially when you realize that in order to do big things you need people you need a lot of people to not just believe in yourself and you and the leader and the the person who has the big dreams but to believe in themselves and it's a balance too because you you, you see this in the WeWork situation where and then many, 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 many of the startups where they're like, work, work hard, work hard, party hard. And 
in America and in many of these places, we love to, you know, harp on that work. We say work hard, party hard. We say, hey, as long as you work hard, everything else will be fine. When in reality, you don't have an idea of what it means to work sustainably. And the reason why I think this is so important is because so many people, too many people, think that you can just either force people or coerce people or manipulate people or yourself to work unsustainably hard until you drop, until you literally collapse. You treat people as products. You treat people as machines. You treat people as dispensable things. Say, boom, okay, you've done as much as you can. You know, you collapse and then now bring in the next person. That's inherently unsustainable work. And what that does is it creates a culture and it creates a product, a service, and a society that is built upon seeing people as dispensable. Seeing people as cogs in a machine that you hear all the time. If people really want to make a sustainable future, we have to think about how to make work itself sustainable. And a number of other things, of course. This is a major thing, right? Because all the time you hear in startups, oh, we want people that they're 100%. We want people 100%, 200%. But nobody's talking about the cost. People just think, oh, if we just get them to work 200% and then, you know, at the end of the year or in the middle of the year or whatever, we do a big party and that will, that will replenish them. I'm like, no, that's not how people work. And this is the worst part here. Is people are so deluded, people are so indoctrinated to believe this that they believe it themselves. They believe it themselves. And they think, oh yes, I just work 200% and then I go do this big party, you know, this party blowout, drink till I drop and all this other stuff. And people have all these great experiences, have these fun experiences. And they think that's, this is this is what it means to work hard, play hard. They think this is what it means to, you know, be in a startup or being a fast-moving company or whatever, right? But what ends up happening? It doesn't matter what you believe <laughs> about your work ethic or your work hard, play hard or your culture. Look at the facts. Look at look at the results here. We work collapses. All these startups collapse. None of these startups become these big companies. And even the ones that do become big companies are still terrible cultures. Activision Blizzard. Look at that. Look at that. Even Apple. Trillion dollar company. People, they used to be the darling. And now you hear so many, <laughs> you know, problems with everything from the customer service to... Um, different women at the organizations talking about being harassed and other people I was just reading this on Twitter this morning like this woman was talking about the last two three years she's been trying to talk about how exploitive and harassment and you know just belittlement of you know her situation and and just her experience at the company right 
And the first thing you hear on Twitter, oh, shut up about your politics. I'm like, what? Somebody, like, he was like, stop complaining about your politics and work. Or something like that. I'm just like, what? This is the problem here, man. You see, you see people talking about sexual harassment and discrimination as politics? As political pandering? Like, what the hell do we... Where have we where have we come to in our society in which when people talk about being exploited and manipulated and harassed and discriminated against and all this stuff instead of instead of responding with empathy instead of trying to figure out what's going on here instead of trying to you know uh, fix the situation or build better culture we just say shut up and work stop being political like what no I just that disgusts me so much. And of course, people are like keep keep your personal, private, professional life separate. You know, blah 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 blah. Work hard, blah blah. I'm like, this is inherently unsustainable. And of course, people are going to point to the last hundred years and say, oh, this is how we got to where we are in America. This is how we got to be on top of the world. That's short-sighted. That's dumb. That's incomplete. I'm sure Rome thought they were on top of the world. I'm sure Napoleon thought he was on top of the world. I'm sure, what's his name? The uh the many of the <laughs> many of the great dominators, right? Conquistadors, conquerors of the world, you know, thought they were on top of the world. Now they're just footnotes. It's just dust. When are we going to be finished with trying to fight a game of conquest and domination and all this bullshit and just figure out how to create a sustainable life in which we can live the next 10,000 years? Next 200,000 years? Is that too long long game for people? At least, what about the next 100 years? Can we Can we think about how we can create a society in which our kids can live in a better world that we grew up in than we grew up in. Can we think about that? If your daughter goes to work at Apple or any of these companies and then comes home crying every night because she's being harassed, are you going to be like, shut up and go to work? Shut up and stop crying? <laughs> like, what the hell, man? So yeah, I like looking at these documentations or documentaries and all this other stuff because it gives me a picture into things that I don't live. Like I don't live these experiences. I've never been at these startups. I don't. I have no idea, you know, what this is really like, or even what this is kind of like. And even though I know some of these document documentaries or whatever are a a bit of a exaggeration, like it might not tell the full story. But these had so many videos about Adam himself saying a lot of these things and and actually you can see him on the board on, on the on the stage you know so many times just like yes do this blah 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 we're gonna change the world and for me as a person that wants to change the world I see that I, I'm like hmm this is the difference this is what I need to avoid right like I don't want to be on that stage I don't want I don't care about 
being the one that people are looking at to have all the ideas and dreams and all this other stuff. I'm just another, excuse my language, but I'm just another nigga <laughs> with the dream. And I think everybody can be their own niggas with dreams, you know, <laughs> their own people with dreams and ideas. And I want to live in a world where every single person can feel empowered to change the world for the better. I don't think it's it's sustainable or or beneficial to to praise other humans as these otherworldly creatures as better than everybody else just because they had more opportunities or more luck or even more skill than other people. Yes, I think you should give them due respect for people's skill and for their achievements. But I think it should stop there. We don't need to go any further. We don't need to, you know, bow down to them. We don't need to give them billions of dollars <laughs> to chase dreams that they're going to abuse, you know, and not even care about the, the team that got them there. We don't need to build into our society, into our society, into our politics, into our businesses, into our economy, a system in which psychopaths, sociopaths, Narcissists are rewarded for their bad behavior. We don't need to go there. We, we shouldn't be going that far. It's just crazy to me. It's wild. But yeah. So that was a very, very uh, eye-opening video or, you know, movie. And it, uh, once again, helps me to also see what, I'm, what, I'm, what I might be up against, you know. Is that as a person who has, you know, a lot of dreams and ideas about the future and things like that, I'm going to have to be cognizant of the people who have those same dreams or have their own version of these dreams, but are more manipulative, right? Are better at, you know, seeming charming and all this. Like, I'm not, I'm, a, I'm an unassuming guy. I'm 5'6", you know, I'm 120 pounds, soaking wet, and uh, <laughs> nobody's going to look at me and be like, oh, yes, it has, he's a larger-than-life signal. Like, no. And I don't want to be looked at like that, <laughs> you know? I'm an introvert at heart. I like to, you know, I like to talk a little bit about my ideas, but I think most people do as well. I like to be in my little corner most of the time. And um, when I have ideas, I like to be out there and show people these things so that they can be inspired themselves. That's it. So I need to, I need to, it's good for me to see these things because I, <laughs> I now, I know that when I do get out there, you know, and people start hearing more of my voice and my ideas and things like that, I'm going to be up against people like at people who are so charming to certain certain population that they're going to believe anything they say <laughs> whether or not it's actually competent and they're going to inversely they're going to look at me and be super skeptical that I can do anything that I have anything worth listening to and so I'm going to have to figure out how to cut through that BS 
gonna have to figure out how to cut through that and and that intuitive kind of discrimination I'm gonna have to figure out how to portray my own visions and ideas in such a way that it's not dependent upon me that it's not dependent upon you know whether or not people trust me or believe in me but if maybe and most likely around the team that I build or around all the other people that believe in these ideas and all the other people who are implementing these ideas to make a better world. I'm going to have to figure out how to point that out quickly. Like, you don't have to believe in me. You can just look at all these people who are doing, you know, <laughs> these ideas. That's how I'm kind of seeing this right now. So, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's interesting to hear about. There's a lot to learn here. There's a lot to think about. But yeah, I think I'll end it there. As always, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for learning with me. Go check out that documentary. Docu- documentary. <laughs> However you say that. Uh, yourself if you'd like to. Or just read read up on the WeWork um, situation, their history, and how they rose and fell. And they're still alive today, by my dad. You know. They still are there. They might even be. I think I, at the end they mentioned how they're still, you know, trying to go back to, to a IPO, um, you know, to go public. They're still functioning. Um, I went to one of their events right before the pandemic. It was actually pretty cool. Like I said, it's an interesting idea, but it's not a tech company. They don't really have much, you know, sophisticated technology per se. Um. But it is an interesting idea, and I do think that sort of thing will be very useful for the future. And I do think, you know, what they're saying made, made sense in a way. Of course, they went overboard with certain things, like especially going into their, you know, the school that they're trying to do and all this other stuff. I definitely think we need to reduce schooling, but I'm not sure if the way they were doing it is the way to go. But we'll see. And um, the fact that Adam, you know, and his co-worker, I mean, his co-founder, Miguel, you know, came from communes is, I think, very cool. Uh, like I said before, I think communes is going to be an important part of the future. Like um, the virtual commune idea I had. Like, I haven't even lived in a commune, and, you know, I think it's a great idea, so... The fact that they lived in communes all their life and tried to and created a billion-dollar company around these ideas of communes, I think it's is very, very uh, promising for my own ideas. So I would love to check out some communes myself. Um, I think where they went wrong a little bit, well, I'm not gonna say wrong. Like clearly, the business again is still viable, but I think it's it's very kind of towing the line when you when Adam said uh, turning the uh, kind of turning communes into a capitalistic you know system because that goes a little bit too much into exploitation you know this is the this is the fundamental problem of capitalism at least right now is that it's fundamentally kind of centered in exploitation of resources and turning things into resources whether it be or commodities however you want to say whether it be people 
you know, spaces, like physical locations, or, you know, the things inside the earth, or anything, really. It's the fact that it kind of encourages you to commoditize it, to exploit that thing in order to profit. I think in order for capitalism to become, you know, better, uh, what, what uh, Andrew Yang and a couple other people call human-centered capitalism makes sense. We need to, you know, root the center of capitalism into human and, you know, animal nature kind of development. If we can figure out how to do that, that will be really incredible. I'm not sure if it's possible, and I, and I understand why certain people think it's impossible that capitalism is fundamentally incompatible with uh, human development for the long term and things like that. But I, I personally think it might not be, and I would like to explore that idea. Um, but we'll see. We'll see, you know. I'm just a person trying to figure out how to, you know, live a better life and live a, in, a, in a better world. Just one person among the 8 billion people here. And there's so much to discover and learn. So um, it pays to be humble, I think, in the long term at least. <laughs> That's the problem too, like, in the short term, it does not pay to be humble, to be, even though people claim it is, and people claim, oh yes, he was so humble and nice, but what they're really, what they're really saying is that, oh, he, he or she, you know, exploited the uh, nature of, <laughs> of uh, their, their humbleness very much. And maybe I'm being a little bit negative there, I'm not going to lie, but, um, it's it surely seems surely seems so surely seems like that's how it plays that this kind of system rewards people who plays the game you know and doesn't really question if the game itself is is uh quite frankly a fucked up game <laughs> my goodness Anyways, um, there's a lot to learn, y'all. I have hope that we, we can still turn things around. That we can learn from all these mistakes and all these crazy uh, ideas and events going on and all this other stuff. And still do something incredible. But I suppose that's for us to decide. That's for our actions to, you know, to show. But once again, thanks for listening. And let me know what you think, as always. I suddenly got a lot of, a decent amount of followers coming in on Twitter. So hopefully these people trickle over to this podcast and um, my newsletter and stuff like that. Shout out to Zach, because he, uh... <laughs> He uh, made a new Twitter account. This is pretty cool. It's called um, Words to Words to Wisdom, I think. Let me double check. Uh, Zach is so great, man. This dude always out there. Here we go. Um, maybe I should have paused it while I pulled this up. But I'm here now. Yeah, Words into Works. Words into Works. At Words into Works. At on on Twitter. So check that out. 
Um, somebody asked what, what newsletters that they drop everything to see. And, <laughs> and uh, Zach tagged me in there and a number of his other ones. So I guess I got a lot of attention coming in from there. So that's interesting. So shout out again to Zach and I appreciate you. And um, hopefully this, this uh, you know, helps us grow a little bit more. And this truck is coming in, so thanks again. <laughs> I'm, I'm gone for real. Bye-bye. I wasn't even on the app. Bye-bye.